whether you're a professional dancer or just started falling in love with ballet dance, welcome to the Ballet Dance Life podcast. Here, we are diving deep into all facets of ballet dance world that cannot be found in a workshop or an audience seat. Every week, you will find new, honest, thought-provoking, inspiring, and educational conversation with top leading professionals of our industry. I'm your host, Jana Komornitska, and I'm honored that you are part of our dance tribe. This episode is brought to you by the Yana Dance Club, online platform where you can get access to all my teaching materials at once. Hundreds of technique drills, multiple choreographies, themed intensives, full-length courses, everything you can think about. Whether 20 minutes or few hours for practice, you will find a program that will fit not only your schedule, but your mood as well. First seven days are free, so check it out at yanadanceclub.com, link in the show notes. Hello, dear dancers, welcome to the Ballet Dance Live podcast, our final episode for 2021. So, first of all, happy holidays to everyone. I hope you had a great time with family and friends and still enjoying this transition from one year to another. I know it can be very hectic and very messy, but still, hopefully, you carve some time for First of all, for yourself, but also with some just joy and pleasure spending time with your loved ones. And as I mentioned, this time can be pretty frustrating because just because of the whole world's vibe, we kind of are forced almost to start rethinking, reviewing our year, maybe thinking for the upcoming year, putting some goals and plans, even if you're not the person like into all this new year resolution lists or anything like that but still the whole vibe is kind of calling for revision and planning and sometimes those thoughts bring us to some choices and decisions that we may need to do or decide to do and they may be very difficult especially in the situations that you may face or faced rejection for instance, you heard from your teacher a comment that maybe you're not good enough to be a professional dancer or maybe dance is not for you. Or disapproval, maybe from your relatives or family or friends who cannot still accept your dance love and dance passion. Or maybe judgment, judgment from community, from online space which many of those online comments are not really about us, they're about people who are sending them, but it's difficult to abstract and not to take them personal, and they very often do influence us. Or maybe judgment at uh, even simple, like uh, very standard situation at some dance competition, either physical, like in person or online, that the results were not really what you expected and the comments from judges were maybe not what you expected and then you're facing all that frustration all that mess in your head like oh maybe is a dance for me or not for me what is going on what should i do next how to get out of this state of almost like a dense depression sometimes that we get and um, Especially if it happens closer to the end of the year, like we kind of feel like, oh, it's transition. So, oh, maybe I should take a choice, a different choice and go in completely different direction. So 
before if you are one of those person thinking that before you take any decisions or any choices i really encourage you to simply listen to this uh, episode because i put together a selection of stories from our guests who exactly faced those kind of situations in their lives. And those guests that are world-known stars, professionals, that you definitely know them and probably even admire, and all of us, even them, face those kind of situations. So, in our today's episode, which is a selection of best-of moments, we will hear from Alex Delora, Artemis Murat, Esmeralda Colabon, and Ala Kushnir. And those are, of course, just little parts from our entire interviews with all those guests. So if you missed the whole conversations, do go back and listen to them because, of course, in our actual interviews, we talked not just about the specific situations, but about so much more in every conversation. And if you get inspired by these little stories from them, I'm pretty sure you'll get inspired by listening to the whole chats. All links to the interviews, full interviews with them will be in show notes, so don't worry, you don't need to browse and try to find where was it, what... All links already prepared there for you, so all you need to do is go to show notes and find link, direct links to the interviews there. And if you feel inspired and motivated, uh, I would be really happy if you can also share this episode with some of your dance friends who you think may be going through some similar situations or feelings right now and they may really benefit from listening to the experience of someone else. That would be really great and uh, nice to do. And on further note, specifically for you, whoever you like right now listening to my voice in your ears, I first of all want to wish you a happy new year, happy 2022. I hope that all your dreams, dance and life dreams will come true and your goals will be not just on that list of New Year resolutions but actually will come true and that you make them true and you will believe in yourself that you are capable of doing them and I hope that 2022 will bring us many more opportunities to dance together to enjoy connection together and of course to chat about dance life so on this note i will let you enjoy the interviews the episode and i will see you already next year i dance not from my childhood and um, in my childhood i did sports and i didn't like music at all i couldn't listen it at home when my mom started to play some music i told her like please stop i don't like i don't want music in home hmm. yes but with time i started it was enough for me of sport and i decided to change i stopped to do sport and i decided like oh i want to dance <laughs> and i went to some group i wrote about it uh, the post in instagram there was event i wanted to dance uh, in this event i came to the repetition to the preparation we started to dance and after one month they told me like please alex 
you know, something is wrong. Let's do, maybe you can walk like in carnaval dress with the fear feathers. You are tall, so you can be just fun in the feathers. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, let's try. We started to do training about this thing. And after one month, again, they tell me like, you know, dance is not for you. You will never be able to dance. Oh, wow. Yes, you you cannot dance. You cannot feel your body. You cannot feel the rhythm. You cannot feel the music. You did sport before. Okay, go and continue to do sport, but not dance. And I said, like, oh, really? And uh, this time when we were preparing this performance, we did really not complicated choreography. And it was only one my one my meet with the dance so i have never imagined something another about dance and i think ah it's not so complicated your dancing i will try but not with you and i went to another group i was not sad that they told me like you will never be able to dance i went to another group i came to traditional gypsy group they were singing, playing violin, guitar, and we were dancing with them. And we started to develop dance. So in this group, I started to feel what is the music, what is the construction of the music, what is the rhythm, what is the logic inside of any composition. And I finally understood what is the dance. And I really fell in love with this. And I found that... Oh, gypsy dance is a cool, okay, I like it so much, but some my child from some dreams from my childhood, it was belly dance. I saw it somewhere on TV and it fixed in my mind so much. So I was dancing in gypsy group and myself at home, I started to do belly dance. Hmm. And my teacher in dance gypsy group, they started to help me like to to develop my technique to develop my dance skills because anyway dance is a dance it's belly dance or it's gypsy dance or it's ballet or it's jazz i don't know any kind of dance has the special dance base yeah so we should to discover this dance base and they started to do this exactly with this gypsy group Wow, I can't believe that someone told you that dance is not for you. That's unbelievable. <laughs> how many yes. how many years ago was that approximately? I was in university. I started to dance when I was in university. Mm-hmm. I never answer how many years in general I dance because it gives some prejudgment. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like when people don't have it. I like when people just love what they do. So how many years I do belly dance and how many years before it was, this I never answered. Mm-hmm. What I can tell, it's just that I was already adult. I was with the, with the brain, <laughs> not <laughs> child. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely mm-hmm. a point that sometimes we too much rely on the numbers of years, like for whatever reason, whatever we are talking about. But it's not about number of years, it's about quality of years. Yes. I was more asking to see, like, okay, how long was that journey, like, to take you from the point that someone told you, like, oh, you can dance, to now being successful dancer, traveling all around the world, and uh, 
teaching dance now. <laughs> That's crazy story. But um, so you mentioned that you started doing ballet dance at home on your own. And um, how did ballet dance path later developed? Like, did you go to any school formal or did you practice on your own? Because you also have very specific, very um, significant dance technique. So was it inspired by some specific teacher or, I don't know, other dancers you saw or your own inventions? <laughs> uh, well, uh, when I started to do gypsy dance, I also came to belly dance class, but it was uh, fitness belly dance. Uh, for that time, it seems like Okay, it's great because now another classes of belly dance in my city and actually it was the beginning of develop of belly dance so you cannot find uh, really too much of this information about this dance. So I came to fitness belly dance but later I did myself at home. Fitness belly dance give me just some base, like a wave, omi, some shimmy, something like this. But I discovered belly dance myself at home with internet. It was time of YouTube. Mm -hmm. And I was watching like a Jelena, Sadie, Sonia, belly dance superstars, Rachel Bryce of tri tribal queen, really queen. Uh, so... My belly dance style appeared by influence of these stars of this style from America. And uh, maybe, maybe that's why it looks like this. Because in Ukraine, in that time, belly dance started to appear. And, um, well, it was a lot of uh, belly dance fitness way, uh, belly dance fitness schools. So maybe everyone developed in a similar mm -hmm. way. But for me, it was a little bit another. And for me, it was very interesting thing that I was always watching videos in YouTube. And like I see Jelena, Sonia, Rachel, Dina, Didem. I was watching these girls. And I thought this, uh, this is the belly dancer, which I can meet on the competition. So this is the belly dance stars. And they take part in competition. So my first competition, when I arrived, I was hoping that I will see Jelena, Sonia, and so on, so on. And I see like, oh, something strange. It's not these girls. And it's another level of belly dance. Of course, competition and stars, it's uh, different. Mm -hmm. And I think, oh, it's very interesting. It's another and... I don't understand they dance in another way than I do because I have never discovered Ukrainian and Russian belly dancers. I was always looking somewhere far. Mm -hmm. And here on the competition, it was first time when I see this style and I think, oh, it's, it's another. I, I cannot understand how I dance. Do I do good or do I do bad? But I feel that I do another way than they do. And it was very interesting moment in my view, like my world start to be another <laughs> because I have never seen these dancers before in this style. And first competition I came just to watch. And second competition, I think, okay, I don't know how I look. Maybe I'm very bad. Maybe I'm really don't have any skills. But I want to take part in this competition and better to be the most bad one 
between the best than to be the best between most bad. And I decided to register myself to professional category. <laughs> it was it's really strange. And now when I tell about this, it really sounds silly. It sounds crazy. But yeah, I decided to do like this. Why not? <laughs> and... And I won this competition. Wow. <laughs> yes, it was my the biggest surprise that I won it because everyone was very skeptic about my dancing and even me, I was skeptic because it was just for fun. I was touched by that word so that you will never be able to dance. And I think like, oh my God, I don't believe, I will. And... Um, these words just made me to to love dance and to join to to enjoy it but anyway i was skeptic and everyone around was skeptic and i remember i'm going home after competition and i'm in bus and i call to my mom and i tell like oh mom i won the competition mom tell me oh really hmm, it's very strange <laughs> I say, yeah, for me too, but <laughs> I I want it. <laughs> My father's uh, uh, family, side of the family, are Greeks from Turkey. And they were there for over a thousand years. So they are actually Middle Eastern Greeks. They're not European Greeks. And there's a difference. Uh, and my mother's side of the family are Americans, but I was born in Washington, D.C., in an army hospital. Hmm. And how did your uh, roots, uh, like uh, cultural roots, did they influence your upbringing in the USA, or was it something that you reconnected to later in your life? I thought that everybody had one set of grandparents who could not speak English, And I didn't really realize that that wasn't true until I was in junior high school. Uh, so I was very much surrounded by um, my parents' parents. So we would go to Weirton, West Virginia, which is where the Greeks lived. And uh, I was submerged in that world. And then we would uh, go visit my mother's um, relatives who were all over in the United States, but mostly in New York and Alabama. And we were immersed in that world. Um, but as a belly dancer, I didn't start dancing until I was 21. The first dancers that I remember seeing, except for just people dancing in Uh, social party dancing at family get-togethers. But the first dancers that I remember seeing uh, was in Istanbul at a, at a party, and they were Romani women who were dancing, and I was absolutely smitten. And then the first actual belly dance show I saw with a professional dancer in an oriental costume um, was in Washington, D.C., and I was 21 years old, and I thought, oh, I want to do that dance, and I want to do it on that stage. And so 
I was just obsessed and I started studying the dance and I, I was a fanatic about practicing two hours a day, every day. And a couple, about two and a half years later, I actually did get a gig in that restaurant and I was awful. I was so awful. (laughs) You know, I was young and I was cute and I had a lot of enthusiasm and, you know, clearly I wasn't really ready to be on the stage, but that was how I started. And then I had to play catch up a, a lot. But um, my family, uh, my Greek family were not in favor of my dancing. And I kept it a secret from them for a while. And then when they found out, they really didn't like it. So that, that was a tough hurdle. But I think a lot of people who have Middle Eastern backgrounds um, in their families do have that problem. And did it change uh, with time? Uh, because you took ballet dance not just as a hobby. In future, uh, upcoming years, you took it as your profession too. Uh, so if you don't mind sharing a little bit, because I know a lot of dancers who are uh, passionate in this art form and want to take it more serious, uh, they sometimes experience some um, tension or misunderstanding, not understanding with their families. Uh, so if you don't mind sharing a little bit and maybe giving a couple tips if you have or some suggestions for dancers who may be in that situation right now too? Sure. Um, well, my father was a, a pretty liberal man. He was a psychiatrist and uh, he uh, worked a lot with young people and he was a very kind and compassionate man. And he was, uh, he, he, after he saw me dancing and he realized how, how difficult it is uh, to do, uh, his his way of approving of the dance was to tell me, well, it'll keep you fit all your life. <laughs> and I was so delighted to hear him say that. Um, now, his his uh, brothers and sisters, my uncles and aunts, that took a little bit more convincing. But eventually, um, most of them uh, came came around to when they realized that I was really serious about it. And I've been dancing almost 50 years now. So they, um, they realized that really is who I am. And so that was easier. I did have one uncle who I dearly loved, uh, who slapped me and when he found out that I was dancing. And he'd never, ever done anything like that. And, and I, I, I loved him so much. But he was quite a bit older. And I, they did a newspaper article about me in town. And, and I was afraid he was going to see it because it had my uh, Artemis Murat. So it was my last name. And I thought, oh, my God, he's going to see it. And then he's going to know. So I thought I'd better tell him anyway. And when I told him... He just reacted. It was a knee-jerk reaction, and he, he just slapped me, and he said, What? You work in nightclubs? 
dirty people, dirty business, dirty people. And I was so upset. And I said, well, you know, I'm not a bad person. And I, I, oh, I was crying. And then I left the house and he didn't, we didn't actually speak to each other um, for two years. And then my aunt called me and said, you need to come to our house. And I said, okay. And I loved my aunt very much. And she stood us up in front of each other and she said, now you talk. And I looked at him and I said, I'm really sorry, but I, I haven't done anything wrong. And he said, oh, I'm really sorry too. And then we collapsed in each other's arms and we were hugging and kissing and, and everything was fine after that. So um, that's how that uh, side of the family was dealing with it. On my mother's side of the family, uh, being American, um, she really didn't understand the dance, except she saw it from the uh, perspective of, oh, people just think it's like stripping. And she, my mother was a very dignified lady, and she didn't want people thinking of her daughter that way. And so uh, for most of my career, she told people that I was a folk dance teacher, and that was a little bit more acceptable to her. And then one day, and it was, and it was sad for me too, because she, I really kept thinking, well, if I just got good enough, then she would understand that it's an art form, or, oh, if I just got famous enough, then she would respect that, you know, it's, it's an art form and that I've, I've gotten uh, far in my, in my field. And, but she really, she didn't understand. And then I guess she was in her uh, middle eighties and I had been dancing at least 40, over 40 years by that point. And I just accepted it that she was never really going to understand it. And I, um, I received the kind of validation that I needed from other women, which I'll talk about in a minute in a way that can, I think, help other struggling dancers. Um, so we were in London in a hotel room and I was preparing for a workshop and I was, uh, had headphones on and I was uh, practicing a part of a combination over and over and over again. And I didn't realize she was watching me. And that night we went to a, a concert and we had to sit at a table with other people. And there was a Lebanese family there and um, the, the father was asked, oh, what do you do for a living? And what do you do for a living? And when he got to me, I kind of cringed because I thought, oh, here it goes. Uh, um, I, I often will just tell people I'm a journalist, if, especially Middle Eastern people, uh, because some, if you tell them you're a dancer, then they have their stereotypes about it too. So I, before I could even draw a breath to respond, my mother said, my daughter is a choreographer, and she teaches people all over the world. And I was just 
flabbergasted because uh, it's like she got it. She got it after all these years. And I was so happy because then from that point on, she wanted to come to my shows and and she understood that how much goes into being a dancer. So that worked out very nicely in the end. You know, Yana, I think there is a huge change in this three years because we have a saying here in Brazil that goes, once a mother is born, uh, a guilty, a guilt comes with it. I'm not sure if I translated well, but <laughs> we say like this, once a mother is born, uh, there is a, there is a guilt also. Yes, you know? guilt, yeah. And um, I was very, I felt very guilty in the beginning of my relationship with my daughter, you know, in, in my, in my, in the beginning of my motherhood. I, I felt very guilty because I had my school and I had many festivals and travels already scheduled and I remember crying a lot because I didn't want to give up on my career but at the same time I didn't I didn't want to be judged by people you know I didn't want to hear oh you're gonna leave your daughter to go and dance I can't believe you're doing that And I didn't know exactly what to do. In long, long story short, what happened was my husband, who works uh, with um, with cars, uh, statics. You know, I don't know in English, but he works with cars, statics, and stuff. And Katarina was about three weeks. I don't remember if I say so uh, if I told you this story in the in the other no. podcast I don't I, think so. I don't remember she was around three weeks and my husband came back from work and I was cry I was devastated I was crying so much Katarina was sleeping I remember so well like it was yesterday I can look at my house and I can see ourselves in in the situation it was insane And he was like, what's happening? What's going on? And I was like, I can't do this. I cannot do it. I'm giving up everything. I'm closing the school. I'm canceling all my, uh, my festivals. You know, I'm canceling everything. I cannot do this. I can't. She, she demands a lot. I need to be here for her. You know, I, I can't. I just can't. And he said, you're going to be miserable. And I said, I know. But I prefer to be miserable than to deal with the judgment that will come if I decide to keep working. I was very new, you know, maybe mothers, uh, dancers slash mothers will hear this right now at this point and they will say no come on but I was you know 
I was lost. It, it was, you know, three weeks of being a mother. I was completely lost. My, my, my psychological side was a mess. And then two days later, my husband came to me and he said, I know what we're going to do. I have an idea. I said, okay, what's your idea? He said, I have a job. A job that I can have at any moment. You don't have a job. You have a career that it takes a lot to maintain, to, to keep going. You know, it, it, you didn't start it yesterday. So it's easier for me to find another job than to you to rebuild a career. So this is what we're going to do. I'm quitting and I'm staying home. And you're going to do whatever you have to do to keep happy, to keep your career going. And we are not going to allow anyone to judge us on that. And I remember telling him, uh, you're crazy. This is not going <laughs> to work. And he was like, we can try. We can try. Let's try. You teach me what I have to do. We're going to schedule. We're going to organize everything, you know. And, and we did it. And we did it for 11 months, exactly 11 months, my husband was a stay-at-home dad. He did beautifully. Uh, he helped me so much. And when I needed to go to teach, to travel, he was 200% presence here. He used to video call me and send me videos of Katarina. You know, he documented every minute of her so I didn't feel like I was not participating. And on her first birthday, we were, you know, singing happy birthday next to the cake. And I remember uh, we did a photo and we look at each other. Katarina was in his arms and we look at each other. We kissed each other and I start crying. I told him, it's okay, honey. I can take it from here. You, you go back. I, I'm, I, I can do it now. I can handle now. So that was when he went back to work and I had, you know, enough courage and confidence to, you know, move forward with her, knowing that, that, I, I, that I could do it, that I could be a mom and a dancer at the same time. But at first I needed so much. What, I, what he did was amazing. Oh, wow. First of all, there's so much on my mind right now. <laughs> First of all, thank you for sharing the story and thank you for being like honest and open to talk about this. Secondly, it is truly amazing story. And this is the story that really proves that we don't as dancers, as women, we do not or any like part of the partnership, we do not need to sacrifice our own interests because our person will support us. And I'm right now like twisting it to all those dancers who 
are in the crossroad that their partners may not support them or may not like their dance career or may not like no it's just not your partners because your partner will do exactly what your husband did for you and lastly i'm so angry and so sad for the story that it even happened because it kind of feels that the most like let's say crazy monster in this story was this guilt that was put internally that it was guilt from judgment of other people and i would never ever imagine that such a brave and strong woman like you it may affect you know that was it did. that was the most surprising like uh for me because it's one thing that you know sometimes we have guilt like for something from inside and then everyone else calls around like no it's okay it's okay it's okay but you still feel guilty for something but it's another thing that and you are like a dancer a public person with so many years that probably dealt with so many things in your life and it still like gets it's I mean, one of the things that's also for people to hear that if you feel influenced, you're not alone, like even such, like, because you're like, even from your previous interview, people can hear, but I, I, we had a little more communication. So I know how incredibly strong and, and brave and like complete person that like, you know who you are and it still gets to you. Like, I mean, got to that now point. So that makes me angry that, oh my God, why we put this guilt into other people in judgment? And at the same time, incredibly like um, sad that it, it's so spread and it happens so much that even such strong people like you, like get, you know, like on the edge of quitting their careers. Yeah, Yana, it's, uh, I don't even know how to explain, but it's real and it's so strong. The guilt is real and it's so strong. And I remember thinking to myself, let me take advantage now that she's months, you know, she's a baby. I mean, she's still a baby. She would be forever a baby to me, but she was months. And I was like, she would not remember if I travel or travel or, you know, she, it's fine. She, she doesn't understand yet, you know. Um, and I remember traveling and crying so much. I remember crying so much and afraid of posting things on internet because whatever I post, I remember receiving 40% of good things and 60% of, but what is your daughter? Why you're not with your daughter? Oh, Who's wow. taking care of your daughter? Don't you miss your daughter? How can you sleep without your daughter? And I just had to ignore that. I just, I, I don't even answer. And I remember one time a friend of mine said something that I, I already read somewhere else. But when she said when she said it to me, looking into my eyes, it was so strong. She said, look, happy parents raise happy kids. You choose to continue because you're going to be happy. And the choice that your husband made, he's happy with that. So it's all good. It's all sad, 
you know. And now, well, once she start, you know, she start understanding what I, you know, what I do, you know, she, I start showing her my photos and, uh, and she was like, she used to look at me and say, mama. And I said, yes. And then she pointed to a photo, you know, where, where I was all dressed up, full makeup on and was like, also mama. I said, yeah. So I start, you know, getting ready in front of her, even when I, when I don't have show or anything, just a free time. I remember telling her, let's get ready with mama. I will show you how mama get ready to work. And I start putting my makeup in front of her, my turban. There is also a video on, on Instagram where she helps me to put the turban on. And then I start questioning, will she ask me to stop? Will she cry when I travel now that she is kind of understanding what I do? And then I remember one day we were, we were, we was, we were in the airport. Me, my mother, my husband, and Katarina. And she looked at me and she was like, Mom, you're going to dance? I said, yeah, honey. She told me, okay, don't worry. I'll take care of that. And that moment, I don't know how to explain, but I cry so much in this moment because somehow I was like, she understood. She understood. She, you know, she's okay. She's okay. And, <laughs> and then things just, you know, I got so emotional talking about this because it was just natural. You know, she's so proud and she loves to look at my photos. She loves when I go to, to work. She's proud of me and she takes, well, not now, but <laughs> when we could travel and go to the airport. I remember last time we went to the airport. It was January 2020. I went to Mexico and I was going, you know, inside the gate and she was like, go mommy, we're waiting for you. And I was like, I can't believe we did it. <laughs> we are in this point where she actually cheers for me when I do lives here at home. She sits down together with her toys because she said she's my audience. You know, so this is priceless. Before I was dreamed to be a world champion and uh, I was coming to uh, Russia maybe five times and I never win this competition. I always get into the final. So all this five years I work on my technique, which is very nice, you know, because when you get uh, something good in the beginning, you can relax and uh, uh, stop to grow, but uh, these five years I grow, uh, and I was waiting every May because competition was go uh, going in May. So all the year I was preparing uh, to this competition, but uh, I never win. I was upset, but it helps me a lot. And uh, actually, during this competition, I learned how to teach people and how to give them good information and how to create the champion because by myself, I create uh, the champion of the world, which is my niece. She wins this competition and uh, in the children. 
and one of my students win in the junior. So uh, it's very good uh, for me as well. Uh, I approve myself like a teacher. And for example, my first competition, my own first competition when I compete in Ukraine, it was very bad. No one liked me. The judges disqualified me from competition because of my costume. It wasn't good for competition. Sure, it makes me angry and uh, I feel uh, like they don't like me and uh, they don't want me inside this community. And I went, uh, I went forward out of Ukraine. <laughs> and I find uh, uh, people uh, who like me and uh, the people who give me acceptable critic, uh, the critic which is really about me, not about uh, my character or about my body or about something else, about them, you know, like I accept critic about dance. But not about something else, yeah. Because dance is something what we work on, not uh, not uh, our costume, not our. Uh, I mean, uh, if it's uh, not naked costume, not naked costume, yeah. How in those moments that you heard no, how to find because you, you probably felt very very sad and discouraged. How to find that strength to to keep going? Because a lot of people would actually stop after hearing no, uh, especially if it's a public uh, public no, like on competitions or something like that. Uh, so how to to just move forward with it? It's about how much you want it. The people who stop, they don't want it as much as I want, for example. Because I knew that uh, uh, I will never be the lawyer. Once I tried ballet dance, I continue, I finish law academy, but I knew that I need to push myself a lot in uh, all kinds of uh, steps which I need in ballet dance to be a good uh, teacher, dancer, performer. So all this uh, way and steps I need grow. Uh, I think these people doesn't want so much because uh, now we have uh, many nice examples of people who don't have a leg or hands and they're very big sportsmen for example yes mm -hmm. and this is uh, un unusual when someone have physical problem and he do sport so if you want something so much, uh, you will not stop. So it means these people, uh, for example, when the girl not win competition and her boyfriend come and say, oh my God, I feel so sorry, my poor, let's marry it and forget about it. And she say, yes, okay, let's marry it and forget about this. So this has happened, she's married and forget about this. But uh, for example, if she say, no, I'm going to try again and we will marry it and I give you time and I will push myself more. She will continue. That's it for today, guys. But before you go away, don't forget to screenshot this episode and share it with your friends. And if you post it on social media, please tag me and our guest because we love seeing who is listening to the podcast. Thanks for being with us and I'll see you next week. Same time, same place.